who thinks Simon will actually be ready? Could you? God, Can you hear is, me? Is this an unprecedented you actually being prepared for this thing? I am totally ready. I think I my computer juice is a little bit low, but um, and I don't have it plugged in. But um, I think it's fine. Yeah, that uh, hard to imagine how that could go wrong. Honestly. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, how are, oh wait, uh, let's welcome people back, shall we? Yes. I'm going to sure. let you do it, because sometimes, you know, it's like Skype is competing for for who's doing it, so I, why don't you, why don't you do this solo style? Okay. So, well. So, you want me to say it? Because <laughs> you said I should do it, and then you were like, so will. I okay. know what I did. Okay. Uh, let's welcome everybody back to another episode of Maybe Next Time. <laughs> that is what we have been missing here for a few weeks, Simon. That was excellent. Uh, we are back as, oh, uh, hi, I'm your host, William Blue, with my co-host, Simon McCormack. Nets Nation, I hope you're Ruth's favorite. <laughs> We are back, as we are, each and every unrelenting week to bring you all things Nets Nation and, in a special twist, all things Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. This episode proudly not sponsored by anyone. However, we will talk at length about the (laughs) menu at a restaurant I can confidently say I haven't been to. Simon, I don't think you have. That's correct. Okay. Um, I've given it a, a brief perusal, the menu, and I cannot wait till, like, that's my, that's my first post-corona stop. Yeah, I know. It looks, it looks incredibly. Is it expensive? Because it does have sort of, I, I mean, it seems a little classier than, um, you know, your, your Applebee's or something like that. Oh, yeah. It's definitely in the – if I had to guess, I think it's probably in the like – I don't think you've ever – this isn't helpful to you because you've never been there. But but um, you ever been to Charlie Brown's Steakhouse? Uh, I've heard of it. So, yeah. It's, I think it's – if I had to guess – News was, of that has trickled down to my tax bracket. Right. Exactly. So – so it is, yeah, I, I you know, I, I, or, or I would say it seems like it might be a cut above, um, Longhorn, but I think it's in that same general ballpark. Honestly. Oh, okay. Yeah. I would say I got the impression it was a little nicer than, uh, than your Longhorn. Um, if only because they don't stuff steak with various cheese and seafood products. Yes. Yes. Uh, I think that's right. All right. Well. Um, thanks for joining us once again, listeners. We are here to discuss the Nets and nothing but the Nets, so help us God. Um, <laughs> that said, we are going to do a pretty deep dive into the Ruth's Chris Steakhouse um, at some point in this episode. Their menu, of course. Yeah. Um, and we also have some mailbag questions that we'll be getting to at some point in the show. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, some TV talk in those in those mailbags. But it is our podcasting duty <clears throat> to talk that's news for a little bit. Yeah. So I want to start, Simon. Are you doing okay, by the way? Yes, I'm doing. I'm doing fine, just fine. Um, how'd you enjoy that tuna I brought over? We haven't eaten it, nor have we eaten the um, <laughs> trap uh, trap door that you uh, laid for us. The uh, what is it, mackerel or something insane? Yeah, I think it's a mackerel. Creek mackerel. It's yeah. I got it when we were at that. Um, uh, yeah, I. Grocery store at Bay Ridge, or not Bay Ridge in um, Brighton Beach. Yeah, right. I, I, yeah. Um, impossible to not know that because every word on there is in Cyrillic. Right. Uh, <laughs> we don't. I had to uh, get the Google Translate app to discover that it was that it was mackerel, where you can <laughs> you can hold it over an image and it will translate it in the font that the thing is written in. Oh, so that's it's great. like the you know the classic Russian Cyrillic. Uh, font and then it's translated into English mackerel. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. Um yeah, sure, no problem. I can't wait to hear what you guys decide to do with it. Yeah. I'll keep you, I will definitely keep you posted. Uh you'll be happy to know your onions getting some play right now. So Oh, great. What's that going in? Uh, uh tomato tomato gravy. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Um Simon, let's start with a KD Corner meets headline of the week, shall we? Sure. All right. Headline reads, in those scrimmages before shutdown, Kevin Durant was unguardable, say teammates. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Now, as our... Social and economic system crumble around us. One headline merits conversation, and it is the one I just read, about some teammates, mostly Theo Pinson, uh, saying that Kevin Durant's really good at three-on-three basketball. Yeah. Uh, Unguardable. I believe Theo said something like it was like he doesn't even see us. Uh, it's funny. I mean, Theo is much shorter than Kevin Durant, so it's possible Kevin Durant. Why was he guarding Kevin Durant is another question. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we saw the, uh, we saw, we've all seen the clip heard around the world of, um, him, um, driving past, uh, Nick Claxton. Um, and, so yes, talking to various uh, um, the the athletics, uh, Alex Schiffer talked with various teammates, including uh, Theo and also um, uh, who is Garrett the, Temple. Uh, Garrett Temple, thank you. Um, it's okay. I I mean, I wish I didn't know who you were talking about, <laughs> honestly. But but they yeah, and 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 they all said you know he looks really good, he looks really strong, he's going to be great. And um, as you pointed out in your email about this, it is worth mentioning that it has become clear, if it wasn't already, that um, any player that that either Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving doesn't want to play with will be discarded in some fashion. So um, with Garrett Temple, you know, I think you could argue he'll 
find another job next year. But with somebody like Theo Pinson, oh, I mean, the Nets are his no. next ne- – yeah, his, his, probably his only shot at – an NBA contract. Uh, yes. Yeah. So. We'll talk more about that later for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it would have been a story if anyone had said anything against how he looked. Yeah, that's It's true. certainly not a story for mediocre to bad players on his team complimenting how he plays. <laughs> like, I'm excited about Kevin Durant. Can I just say I, I – I know we're a lot of doom and gloom on this podcast, but I am genuinely excited to see Kevin Durant play when and if that that happens. I I can't wait either. He is, a, you know, an all time great offensive player. Um, he is a a one you know an extraordinary seven foot shooter. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, he'll be great if he comes back and is healthy and decides he'd like to um, <laughs> play a game with us. Yeah, which you would assume he would, since he signed of his own volition with this team. But yeah, uh, I think we might talk more about that uh, attitude of his later as well. But what I want to get to before <laughs> we um, before we do a deep dive into Ruth's Chris Steakhouse menu. Um, and Simon, just a teaser for both you and the listener. I want to go deep on the apps and the uh, sides at this. Yeah, place. signature sides, absolutely. Signature sides. They got all kinds of things going on at that place. Um, and I haven't even. <clears throat> I I'm saving this so that I can look at it with fresh eyes on the cast and react. You know, live. Um, I haven't even glanced at the dessert menu, but I think as two. Oh, I haven't either. As two. Um, aging men who have developed uh, sweet tooths that <laughs> must must find uh, find a, a little sugars what are we getting for dessert that is the question heard around the the uh, quarantine universe these days right um, we we got a a rack of those Montauk cookies. I forget. I forget the farm at Pepperidge Farms, maybe. So the sort Whoa. of fancier ones in the in the white paper bags. You yeah, know? Pepperidge, Pepperidge, Pepperidge Farm, Farms. Yeah. yeah. And um, I mean, those bags are enormous, but the number of cookies you get is absolutely minuscule. And Ex- yes, exactly. um, we blew through them. We get we're getting anything that says soft on them. We're getting, and they are <laughs> irresistible. Can I tell you my favorite? Of the of the uh, Pepperidge Farm varieties, yeah. What is it? Um, double chocolate Milano. Double chocolate Milano. Ooh yeah. la! Oh, yeah. the Milano is like the thin, hard one with like the the white shortbread or something, and like yes. the uh, chocolate inside. Chocolate in the middle. Yeah, there's a mint one of those. Are are they all minty? Yeah, mint Milano. There's mint Milano. There's orange Milano. Mint is very good. Yeah, but... yeah. yeah. I think I'm a Mint Milano guy in that world, okay. though. Um, you know, if only we had a Milano-based podcast. I honestly, <laughs> I honestly feel I have many more positive things to say about yeah. I don't. About I know those it. cookies. Then pick, pick a subject out of a hat and. Uh... <laughs> oh boy! All right. So before we get to that, I want to do. I want to do a. Deep dive into the Alex Schiffer, John Hollinger 
article uh-huh. from The Athletic. Uh-huh. Hi, Hillary. And oh, uh, Bill's saying hi to you. Hi, Bill. Hey, hey, hey. Um, hi, deodorant. <laughs> you still use deodorant? William, a lot of people use deodorant. But it, this is I, the time when all of you can break your, your, your indentured existence to them. No, no. No one if can you, smell you right now. Take a few weeks off. All the toxins will get out, and you'll realize <laughs> once you, that your body is purged of the chemicals you put into your armpits every day that you never needed it, you will never need it, and you're uh, just fine the way you are. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. We'll keep moving on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Alex Schiffer to talks Schiffer. to John Ollinger about uh, a lot of Nets questions. So I think this is going to be a good way to talk about all of the relevant issues with the Nets right now. Um, there aren't a huge number of things, but this, uh, you know, that happening because basketball is shut down, as everyone is well aware. But all of the germane issues are broached in this, and we can also, you know, bring in some other comments on it that you've sent me over the week, I think, would fit in nicely here as well. Okay. Sure. Great. Okay. So we're going to start at the top with coaching. Yes. Uh, Hollinger's asked who he thinks the likely next coach of the Brooklyn Nets will be. It's a question on all of our minds. Uh-huh. Um, his top two are Ty Lu and Tom Thibodeau. Um, so let's start with reactions to those two. Simon, you hear the names Ty Lu and Tom Thibodeau. What are you thinking? I think uh, Ty Lu is my um, absolute number one. Um, Even over Pop? I mean, yes, not over pop, but of coaches that might like to be a head coach for the Nets. Tyloo is definitely um, my favorite, uh, and uh, Thibodeau is close to the bottom. I would say he is second only to Mark Jackson in of names that are floated out there that I would least like to coach uh, the Nets. Tom Thibodeau is probably my uh, the absolute bottom of my list. Okay. Uh, he not only embodies the an old school approach to coaching that I think would uh, not go over terribly well with our superstars Kyrie and KD, but he also, his players tend to rack up more minutes than any other... <laughs> Yes. Any other uh, team in the league and on a team that is already as brittle, to put it generously, as the Brooklyn Nets, uh, I think that could be absolutely disastrous. Yes, I I totally agree with you. I also just feel like it would be one thing if Tom Thibodeau, it was like, yeah, he has some, you know, Negatives, sure, and he might rub people the wrong way, but he has such a track record of like incredible playoff success. But he doesn't. No, his teams are usually pretty winning, uh, and and he has a winning record overall. But no, yeah. he doesn't have any like championship run. He doesn't. You know, there's nothing to suggest that he is uniquely uh, well positioned to deliver this team. You know, like I think a team, a younger team. 
a more quote unquote coachable team. Yeah. Uh, would be a, a nice fit for old Tom. Um, and the Ty Lue camp, Simon, Paul Pierce and Richard Jefferson share your love. They both come out <laughs> publicly endorse Ty Lue. Um, yes. He's mentioned in on the mismatch as a likely candidate, along with Jason Kidd, Jeff Van Gundy, Mark Jackson, and Jock Vaughn. So Tom Thibodeau doesn't even make that list. Yeah, and that's actually coming from Mark Stein's tweet, uh, where he mentions all those people. Also says, uh, um, what's his name? Brown? Oh, uh, Mike Brown, who used to yes. coach uh, uh, LeBron in and- Cleveland, is now assistant coach with Golden State. Yes. Um and he says Mark Stein says Thibodeau is not is currently considered just a candidate for the Knicks. Um, well, that's a relief. So, yeah, yeah. According to, to to Mark Stein, now there's enough scary names in that Mark Stein tweet. Sure, a uh, Jeff Van to, Gundy is <laughs> is like a less extreme version of Tom Thibodeau, I guess. Yeah, and less accomplished. Less like accomplished. I, less. I, I think yeah. there. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think that, like, you know, coaching, it's it's hard to run natural experiments in coaching because teams change and environments change. But if the closest thing I have seen recently to a natural experiment where you decide is a coach good or bad uh-huh. um, was in Milwaukee where the the Bucks massively underperformed. He was fired and then they hired another coach and they came very close to the NBA finals. Right. Uh, no, Jason Kidd seems like he would be a complete nightmare. Yeah. Um, for oh so many reasons. I really sincerely <laughs> don't. I hope that doesn't happen. I'm, I guess, uh, semi okay with Shock Vaughn. Um, yeah, it's he would not, be better. It's not yeah. splashy, but um, you know, a lot of positive things have come out about him that I've read. Yeah, lately. my only thing with with him is like. If we if that's who we end up with, it's just like why didn't we just keep Kenny Atkinson? Mm-hmm. Like Kenny Atkinson has more cred to me than a than a Jacques Vaughn, who has basically just been a coach of bad teams. Right. Um, what about some other runners up from Hollinger? He mentioned Brett Brown if he gets tossed from the Philly job. Mike D'Antoni, who we've talked about, the Van Gundys both. Mike Brown, and then the wild card he put in there, a, Spur- a Spurs assistant because he he mentioned that Marks is allured by the ex Spurs people, which is why guys like Brett Brown are on this list, I think, because he's a former Spurs guy. Um, So his wild card is Spurs assistant Darwin Ham. Yeah. Now, Simon, (laughs) you and I have have off mic spent hours breaking down Darwin's X's and O's. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He's he's a household name in in the Brooklyn Jewish Hospital for sure. But outside of our little complex, maybe maybe people don't know that much about Darwin Ham. Could you could you provide our listeners with a little just a taste of some of the things we've discussed about Darwin? Yeah. I, I think we'll have to do a, a separate cast just talking about Darwin <laughs> to fully flesh it out. But um, sometimes I, I get so into Darwin Ham's career that I can't see the forest for the trees. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
I do. I will say I don't know anything about him, as I think you're <laughs> you're sort of alluding to. Um, but I also think that we have heard, including from Hollinger, that the Nets are looking for a name, quote unquote name. And I don't think you and I are the only people who don't know who Darwin Ham is. <laughs> I would venture to guess. It's a more fun name than I realized just reading it. Saying it out loud, it's got just two very fun elements to it. Yes. Yeah, for for sure. I mean, Jacques Vaughn is a great name as well. Yeah. Sounds uh, like a, a 19th century French adventurer or something. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. Um, but to me, William, I don't know how you feel these days, but in terms of, like, top candidate, I, for me, Mark Jackson is – absolute worst but in terms of and is apparently the one that kevin durant is rumored to be most interested in (laughs) just very worrying um but in terms of top it's definitely tyloo i i in that article that you mentioned uh where paul pierce and um uh, richard jefferson uh endorse him richard jefferson mentions that Tyloo is the Tyloo and Greg Popovich were the two best X's and O's coaches uh, that Richard Jefferson has ever played for. So to me, that's an, I mean, you know, again, he plays for the Nets. He's not going to say anything mean about a potential coach um, or he sorry, he works for the Nets um, for the Yes Network. But but so it's not you do have to take these things with a grain of salt. But I don't know. That still to me is encouraging. I just think he would be. You know, he's won a championship. He has some at least experience dealing with Kyrie. If he comes to play for them, it will mean that Kyrie is okay with him coaching him, Mm -hmm. which I think is good. And I just, you know, I think that that would be a scenario where you, at least me personally, I would say, okay, well, we fired Kenny Atkinson. That was traumatic. That was, you know clearly some troubling signs, but we got a coach that I think is better than Kenny Atkinson out, out of the whole deal. Mm -hmm. No, I think so. I think it'd be an upgrade for sure. I mean, he's won a championship. Granted he did it with LeBron James and you know, Kevin Durant isn't, I mean, he got pretty damn close to being as good as LeBron James, um, right before he was injured. But, (laughs) um, anyway, so, I, I I think I'm convinced. I think you've convinced me. Ty Lue's the man for this job. Uh, there are, yeah, as we've said, some pretty scary scenarios and then some pretty meh scenarios. Like the yes. Jacques Vaughn would be a very much uh, seemingly lateral move. Yeah. Um, a Darwin Ham would be fun for oh so many reasons, but <laughs> I I can't in good conscience, claim to know what impact that would have on the basketball court. Exactly. Um, So maybe for that reason, sort of like the draft or free agency, you know, like maybe he's the guy I'm rooting for because there's just so much mystery and I can ascribe, you know, magical powers to Darwin that that if I knew anything about him, I couldn't couldn't really (laughs) rightly say. Right. Right. He's a blank slate. Um, asked about the third star, Simon, whether yes. the Nets need to, to get a third star. Hollinger says something that I've sort of been hitting on for the last few few episodes. He says, mm-hmm. if by a third star you meet another player who needs the ball in his hands to be successful, I'd say there are some serious diminishing returns from that end 
that nets are probably good as is. Mm. So in that vein, he offers up some names. And the, the big ones he names are Rudy Gobert uh-huh. and Bradley Beal. Yeah. So regarding that statement, Gobert makes a ton of sense. He would be able yes. to anchor the defense in a huge way. He is a two-time, I think, um, NBA All-Defensive Player of the Year. Probably, you know, very possibly could get another one this year. Um, not an offensive juggernaut and does no. get um, – uh, you know, has had some issues with not being as involved offensively as he would like, but um, I think that he would have probably uh, more clarity on what his role is if he were playing next to Kyrie and KD than on the Utah Jazz, where he could probably make a case for him being a more integral part of the offense than he feels like he is right now. Mm-hmm. I guess the Brad Beal was was brought up because he is a guy who apparently has proven that he can play well without the ball. Yeah, although you've talked on previous podcasts about um, how that may no longer be true about his feelings about being a second or third banana. Yeah, I mean, I get the impression that he was good off the ball when John Wall was there and he was sort of the obvious number two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now that he has asserted himself as a number one, how, now that he feels snubbed when he's not making the all-star team, I think he has something to prove on, on sort of an individual level. And I just don't see him um, then wanting to go to a place where he knows he's not going to have any chance uh, likely of making an all-star team or, or getting that sort of individual shine that he clearly wants. Yeah. And I mean, just, like we've like I, Hollinger seems to be indicating, and I agree. You just you need somebody who's good at defense, right? That third star has to. That's they, yeah. Being good at offense, I don't think is like necessarily a bad thing. Although, if you're paying, you're paying in part for their good offense. So like maybe you just want to double down on on defense, like you're saying with. With a go bear, but like, for example, we both like the idea of Drew Holiday, but that's largely because he's good at defense. Yeah, for me, Uh, it's almost entirely that. Yeah. Like, he is productive, can be a a functioning part of an offense, of -hmm. a good offense, Um, but... That like that is very much secondary. That's why I I mentioned guys like Eric Bledsoe. Yeah. like we really, really, really need to get <laughs> someone who's going to play defense because KD and Kyrie do not a passable defense yeah. make, um, and especially you throw if you you throw their their homie DeAndre Jordan out there with them, and it is a true nightmare scenario. We would have a bottom five defense in the NBA. It would be atrocious. Yeah. Um, So some other realistic targets, Simon, that he mentioned at the minimum or taxpayer mid-level exception. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've seen this list. I'll just go through it quickly. We don't have to dwell on it. They include specialists like, and some of these guys I have not heard of, Wesley Iwundu, Jakar Mm -hmm. Sampson, and Torrey Craig. Torrey Craig I have heard of. He's on Denver. I think he's actually pretty decent. 
Um, and shooters are quasi shooters like Kyle Corver, Markeith Morris, Pat Connaughton, or Connaughton. I've heard people pronounce it. Mm, um, interesting. Mar- yeah, I think it's supposedly Connaughton, though. I would have obviously defaulted to Connaughton. Uh, Marco Bellinelli, Sterling Brown, and Damian Dotson. Um, any of that uh, tickle your fancy? Um, in a word, not really. I mean, a, a bit. I mean, the point is he's talking about like pretty much minimum players. So right. not a, you know, you're not going to get a sizzling name on there, but like a Corver would be fine. I think we could always use more shooters, uh, Bellinelli. Um, and then I assume I like you have not heard of a lot of these people, but I assume on the defensive end, like, yes, you know, give it, give a shot to basically, I would be fine, you know, giving a shot to almost anyone who could play some defense. Yeah. Tory Craig, because he's the one of the three defensive specialists you mentioned that I've heard of, uh, uh-huh. is the one that sort of caught my attention. But, like, I don't see Markeith Morris or Pat uh, Connaughton as guys that could be gotten for that cheap. Pat Connaughton right. has had a really good year for a great team and is, like, contributing quite a lot to that. And I think Markeith Morris still has some uh, – appeal for his upside to to other teams yeah is he good at defense um i think that he is positionally diverse on defense which might be his upside so he could go from like three to if you're squinting maybe a five Uh Uh um because he's pretty big but he's also quick uh a fun one he threw in john collins yeah. Imagine a deal but, where the Nets send out Dinwiddie, Prince, Musa, and a first-round pick and take back Collins and perhaps another small contract. Yes. Then imagine the Hawks have had their brains taken out. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, I just, they just traded to get away from Torian Prince. They swindled us with the, with the Prince trade. I don't know why they would be like, here, here's this like budding star. We'll take, here's, you know, give us some crap and a first round pick and uh, you can have our second best player. Right. I mean, Dinwiddie isn't crap, um, but it it would be hard to sell, I think, to your owner and to <laughs> your fans and to Trey Young that you're getting rid of like their second best player. In order yeah. to get a backup point guard, a guy who is going to wash out of the league in John and Musa and Torian Prince, one of the worst contracts um, <laughs> around seemingly at the moment. Yeah, yeah. A, a, a person who I think the I forget who said this, some pundit in the nicest way possible was like, it's not clear what his value is. Right. Um, so so. um yeah, I mean, I just feel like he – I mean, even from the Nets side, the other problem I have with that trade is – I mean, I would do that trade. I think the, the biggest issue is is on the Hawks side. But, I, I mean, to Hollinger's earlier point, though, like if, if you're saying that a shot, a one-on-one isolation shot from Kyrie and um, and Kevin Durant are your two most efficient ways of scoring – and if you're adding somebody else that needs the ball, um, 
you know, that person is probably going to be less of a go-to, right? You're going to get less efficiency. Like John Collins perfectly fits in that. John Collins is really good, mm-hmm. but he's not that good at defense if I'm remembering correctly. And he's, yeah, he's definitely not as good as those other two at, at scoring. So, you know, again, I like the idea of getting John Collins on this team because if, the Kyrie KD thing doesn't work out. You're like, okay, well, we have this young guy who, who you know, I think projects as at least like a number two, right, on a on a good mm-hmm. team. So that's awesome, and he's young. But in terms of like winning a championship with John Collins, I'm not sure how good a fit that is. Yeah, I I, I agree 100 percent with that. Um, final thing I wanted to hit on in that article, Simon DeAndre Jordan versus Jared Allen. <laughs> I just wanted to pull out a couple of the quotes from Hollinger on this. He said, yeah. they can't, the Nets can't be so short-sighted as to think that Jordan is a more important part of their future than Allen. Um, and the reality is that even if they somehow think Jordan should play more next year, and then he does a parenthesis, note, he shouldn't. <laughs> Once you get two or three years down the road, it's pretty obvious that Allen is going to be the main guy in the middle. Um, but I don't want to paint this as uh, this just as a future decision, given the team's win-now time frame. Even if you look at short-term horizons, Allen is the player you'd rather have. Um, now, John Hollinger, his word is is it is does not trump all other thoughts. You know, I know Lichtenstein's a big fan of old DJ, and surely, <laughs> surely a few other people in Nets Nation are big DeAndre Jordan fans. I have long hated DeAndre Jordan on this team. He is my least fav- favorite player. He represents all that is shitty about the current instantiation of this team to me, um, and. Hollinger and many, 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 many other national writers, podcasters on this issue seem to agree that Jared Allen is the guy the Nets should be emphasizing right now and going with. Uh, but obviously they can't because DeAndre is friends with Kyrie and KD. We talk about this all the time. Um, what do you think about one more pretty major national figure piling on to this debate of DJ versus Jared Allen? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm 100% of the opinion that Jared Allen is better than um, DeAndre Jordan right now. That as the years go on, the difference will become even even bigger. But here's where I think you and I might disagree, and where Hol- I disagree with Hollinger is that he says, "Oh man, you sh-, he basically says you should lock him up for like 15 million dollars a year over four years." And I – and again, I do not think DeAndre Jordan is the answer. I don't want DeAndre Jordan on our team. This Everything I'm about to say sh- should not be read as me siding with DeAndre, thinking DeAndre Jordan should be on this team. But I personally don't think Jared Allen, if you're going if – you're, if you're trying to win a championship, um, is a good – center to have. Um, I just feel like, and, and nor is he a good center to have if you're paying him $15 million a year. I think he is, um, someone that we've seen shrink under like small amounts of pressure, like end of regular season games in relatively meaningless seasons. And I don't, 
I personally just don't see that changing. I've seen, you know, he gets pushed around. We've talked about it. He's just physically, but more importantly, mentally very soft and fragile. And I worry about him in a playoff series. I would not want him, as they say, William, in a foxhole. I would not want to be in a foxhole with Jared Allen. So, again, if your choice is between him and DeAndre Jordan, definitely, definitely Jared is better. But I would actually advocate for us trading Jarrett rather than, rather than uh, keeping him and spending um, serious money on him. Yeah. I would say the, and just one final note on that. Um, Yeah. He, there are certainly frustrating moments where he's, his confidence seems to completely evaporate and he does become a wallflower and pretty ineffective and, and frustrating to see out there. And you sort of wonder what happened. Um, but I would say that five days ago was his 22nd birthday. Mm-hmm. So he is extremely young. Um, and, you know, as we, you know, undersized still because he's really, really skinny. And all of those things are just the trajectory is going in the right way <laughs> at mm-hmm. the moment. So the fr- things we find frustrating on this like skinny 21 year old center could get figured out over the next couple seasons, um, given enough investment in his, you know, development. But, but I agree. I'm, I'm not, I'm not opposed to trading him, especially since it seems obvious that we are locked into the Deandre Jordan show at $10 million a year for another three seasons after this. Um, and I think other people around the league are probably, uh, realize that they have a chance to get, uh, Jared Allen. So there might actually be a decent package we could get for him. Yeah. All right. Simon, 60 seconds on, Zach Lowe's take on Torian Prince, and then we're moving to Ruth's Chris. Okay. So a couple weeks ago, um, in Zach Lowe's five things I like and don't like, um, Zach uh, wrote a little blur, basically just in a very short um, series of sentences laying out why Torian Prince is such, such a condemnable player and why the Nets signing him to a two-year um, extension was uh, a disastrous move. Um, he points out the shooting percent, the three-point shooting percentage at 34%, which is five percentage points worse um, than it was last year and for his career. But he rightly, I think, points out that the bigger issue is that Torian Prince cannot shoot from two. He, he, if you chase him off the line, he shoots 30% on his preferred go to, um, uh, two point shot, which is the floater. Um, the awkward, horrible floater. Anyone who's seen a Nets game this year knows what that floater looks like. Um, and, uh, he also shoots 52% from right at the rim, which is one of the absolute worst percentages amongst wing players. Um, he is an abomination and, uh, very worried about what his cap situation will do and what it will take to get, to, to get, um, him off the team. I think we both know the answer to that. And, and, and it is that we will never, ever see Sean Marks have a first round pick again for, <laughs> for the remainder of his tenure. Yeah. Um, all right. This is a late breaking podcast theme idea from Simon McCormack. <laughs> what if we each picked a net to go to Ruth's Chris steakhouse and picked what we wanted to eat? Uh, 
Ruth's Chris, an interesting place mostly because of <laughs> one of the most bizarre uses of a possessive in the history of titles. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, why is Chris Ruth's? And why is Chris being used as an adjective? What's happening in that title? Did they make the exactly. sign? Then someone explained to them how odd it was. And then they just like, well, it signs up. We got to go with it. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Uh, so exactly. anyway, we're going to have a fun time talking. I, I'm just going to get my net who I'm taking. I'm taking Wilson Chandler with me. He's my ride or die on the nets. You know this. Oh, yeah, I do know that. Who are you taking with us on this trip to Ruth's? Uh, I am. I am going to take Karis Levert um, because I'm not sure how much longer he's going to be uh, living in Brooklyn. And, I, you know, I just want to pick that guy's brain. As you've pointed out, he's. um Okay, we're going. Okay, so yes, Karis Levert. Um, we don't know much about him, uh, you know. So it'd be be great to be able to pick his brain. I also just wanted to quickly say why I thought Ruth's Chris's Steakhouse was um, <laughs> so uh, important to touch on, um, just besides its incredibly ridiculous name, which is that they have become basically the villain of uh, this recovery uh, because they applied for and received a small business loan of about $20 million, despite the fact they are a massive chain uh, worth uh, tens of millions of dollars. Um, And anyway, so that's, yes, that's the thinking on this. Okay. (laughs) Great. Uh, Well, let's explore the menu together, Simon. Yes, absolutely. Um, Obviously, it's got, it starts off with an array of steaks and chops. Yes, it did, does. Did any jump out to you? The porterhouse for two, ch- maybe? <laughs> for me, my favorite uh, item, uh, William, is the bone-in New York strip. And I'll tell you why. Not only is it a 19 ounce of sheer perfection with yeah. full-bodied and, and full of flavor, full-bodied and full of flavor. Damn. Um, but it is, most importantly, Ruth's favorite cut. Now, I don't know about you, William, but I love when menus talk about people that no one has heard of and give, like, their stamp of approval. Like, right. it's like like Tony's meatloaf. Like, oh, well, Tony, you got to have his meatloaf. Right. I remember at Sadie's in Albuquerque, yeah. um, they had, like, the different types of chili you could add. And one of them yeah. was, like, Billy's spicy chili. Yes. And unless yes. you were me, who had taken Billy Sadie, their son <laughs> of the owners of its acting class as a like eight year old you had no idea that one of that the chili was named after billy sadie the son of the owners of sadie right uh not a great i mean but you know what i'm not going to knock him for not turning me into to the actor i was born to become uh but I wanted to say in the New York strip I'm looking at on this menu, it says that it's slightly it's a slightly firmer texture than your ribeye. Yeah, I think that's fair to say by any steak connoisseur. Now, are you going to get an entree compliment to that? 
I thank you for asking. I am. I um I'm gonna get the um the blue cheese crust, the fresh creamy blue cheese, roasted garlic, and a touch of panko panko breadcrumbs. Yeah, that looks pretty good. Uh, Oscar style was a new. <laughs> that's another example of what you're talking about. Like. What Oscar are we talking about? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because it, nothing thought... inherent in this it, it screams <laughs> Oscar to me. Right. I thought that they were referring to, like, the award, but... Okay, but... tell me if this has any relation to the <laughs> uh, Motion Picture Academy's uh, <laughs> award show. Jumbo lump crab cake asparagus and homemade Bernays sauce. Yeah. No, I don't think so. Yeah, so anyway, I'm going Oscar style with whatever big old slab of meat I'm getting up there. Great. Um, They've got a number of seafood specialties. I always love seeing maybe it's because of I, I maybe it's because of Jurassic Park, but I always love seeing Chilean sea bass on a menu. Yes, it's on a lot. It's on every <laughs> stupid restaurant's menu, I feel like. Yeah. They just have to they have to touch it up with some Chilean sea bass. I know they eat it in Jurassic Park, and then I also remember as like, <laughs> you know, what I guess now would be called a meme, but was in the late nineties just like something children talked about. Mm-hmm. Um was that like on ninety eight percent of menus they don't really use Chilean sea bass when they say Whoa. it's Chilean sea bass. Do you remember hearing that? No. As someone for whom the idea of ever being at a place and able to order Chilean sea bass was just like totally preposterous and abstract and was never going to happen, that scandalized me. That if one were in a position to order Chilean sea bass, they might not actually be getting that presumably delicious fish. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, All right. We're going to turn to the appetizers and sides because we want to warm up Wilson Chandler and Karis LeVert with uh, something kind of special, don't you think? Definitely. Uh, What are you going for in the teaser section? So I'm going to go as wild as I get on this entire ordering experience with my appetizer. I'm getting the chilled seafood tower. Oh, thank God, baby. Someone had to get it. (laughs) I know. I agree. Which is Maine Lobster. King crab legs and knuckles, colossal lump crab meat, and jumbo cocktail shrimp served with both sriracha lime seafood sauce and cocktail sauce. Oh, my God. Which of those two sauces are you more excited about? Uh, seafood lime. Seafood sriracha lime. seafood lime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I wonder how recently the sriracha has been infused into that chilled seafood tower. Because that feels like it has to be a staple of Chris, Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. <laughs> uh, well, since you took the tower, I guess I'm going to have to reassess my... Ooh, no, I don't. This is an easy one for me. Veal Osobutko ravioli. Oh, oh, my. Now, ravioli to me is a perfect candidate for appetizer. And actually, I'm uh, my hats off to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse for um, having transitioned to ravioli to the appetizer menu. The problem with ravioli, an inherently delicious thing, is that if you get it as an entree, you get jip jobbed. Yes, there are none of them. They're so small. They give you like you're like six delectable ravioli. You're like, <laughs> yeah, right. And where are the rest of the fucking right. raviolis? Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
So these are saffron-infused pasta, Simon, filled with veal osobuco, so you can feel pretty good about having murdered a very young cow. Uh, <laughs> fresh mozzarella cheese topped with a white demi-glaze. Yeah. Uh, sounds great. It does. All right. Does. Now, when I have meat, Simon, I honestly can't even imagine consuming it without a signature side dish. Me too. Excellent. Uh, you hit it. We we are going to have a great time at Ruth's Chris <laughs> yeah. Steakhouse whenever we do manage to go. I agree. Um, do you want me to go first? Sure, yeah. Okay, so I picked out two sides, but I'm hoping that Karis is as big a fan of these sides as I am because there are a number that I would like to get. Okay. Um, I just feel it's too gluttonous to, to get more than two. Uh, I'm going to get the lobster mac and cheese. Yeah. That's a, a no-brainer. Well, I mean, get one for each of you because you know if you say you're going to share it, you're going to get resentful about who takes yeah. more. And a- Absolutely. And though they claim it's a generous portion of tender lobster combined with our signature <laughs> three-cheese macaroni, you can bet it's not as generous as we'd like. Um and then my second one, because I need a little lighter, uh, given that I've ordered uh, at least five things, and one of them is <laughs> lobster mac and cheese as a side, uh, cremony mushrooms, roasted mushrooms, seasoned. Actually, roasted mushrooms? That sounds terrible. Never mind. Let me back out and say <laughs> cream spinach. Oh, baby. Give me them greens covered yes, in creams. Yeah, it's in it's in a New Orleans-style cream sauce. So, laissez-le bon temps. Simon, that's a Ruth's Chris classic. Yes, it is. It is. <laughs> It's either Chris or Ruth's favorite. There must be, you know how like some restaurants, what like uh, Applebee's will have like your neighborhood bar and yeah. grill, grilly. Yes, uh, Ruth's Chris has to explain this title in somewhere <laughs> in some text on the walls because it begs for an explanation. <laughs> um. I, Simon, am going to hit it with two sides as well because, you know, I – after this whole corona thing, I'm going to have some money saved up that I got to spin, spin, spin on sides. Oh, yes. Uh, So I'm going to hit it with potatoes au gratin. Mm. Idaho mm-hmm. sliced potatoes topped with a savory three cheese sauce. If it were any fewer than three, I think maybe I'd let it go. But <laughs> that I that I could be certain they've infused it with three of Ruth's Chris is final <laughs> finest sauces or cheeses. I've got to go for it. Um, and then just because you know I'm feeling fancy. I'm yeah. at a steakhouse. I'm going to get the Leonese fingerling potatoes with Ooh. caramelized onions, fresh thyme, and garlic butter. That sounds perfect. Uh, Can I ask you something, William? Yeah. Do you feel like you would be able to individually were you to if were you to get 3 cups of cheese <laughs> and Ruth Ruth or Chris asked you All right. Which cheese is this? Like, identify these three cheeses. Do you think you would be able to tell? You wouldn't even actually. You know what? Don't identify them. Just tell you. <laughs> tell tell me whether these taste different at all to you. Right. Uh, no, you could do. You could do that test from any number. It could be taste based. It could be sight based. <laughs> yeah. You know, like they're gonna look identical, taste identical, and when combined, be the. Uh, Ruth's Chris Classic, 
that we all know and love. Yeah. All right, Simon, we're going to skip salads and and uh, and soups. Yeah. I mean, I think it's safe to say we're both probably going to get a Caesar, right? Yes, 100%. Yeah. Uh, and let's go let's go for desserts. Yeah. Um, what are you thinking? They have six sensational sensational items here. <laughs> um, I was a little disappointed they didn't have an apple crumble type thing, but I am going to get the creme brulee, the classic Creole egg custard <laughs> topped with fresh berries and mint. Ruth perfected the recipe herself. Now it's considered one of the best in the world. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> was that possibly true? Well, Simon, uh, we've had a decadent meal, so why not finish it with a decadent dessert? I'm going to get a white chocolate, a thing I absolutely abhor, bread pudding, (laughs) something I am always confused when I get because I never remember exactly what a bread pudding is. Yeah, Uh, It's a Mm -hmm. beloved, beloved classic topped with... A uh, choice of four spirited creme anglaise sauces, orange orange cognac, mm. nutty frangelico, that's copyrighted, folks, <laughs> raspberry chambord, also copyrighted, or coffee tia maria, you're not going to believe it when I say it, also copyrighted. That is so confusing. What are those things, and why do they have to be why are they all are copyrighted? Right. It's extremely bizarre, but they must be one of those bizarre, like, corporate fusion synergy mm. type things that the likes of you and me can't possibly comprehend. Right. Now, William, let me tell you, I know that you're confused by what bread pudding is. Are you at all comforted by the picture that, at least in my venue, they actually have a picture of it uh, above the dessert? Can oh. you see that? Uh, well, I've already moved on to cocktails here. Okay. <laughs> but what what is the dessert? What does it look like? It's a paint circular. us a picture. Okay, it's yeah. circular. They are drizzling the um, decadent three copyright sauce <laughs> onto this circle, uh, and it looks like the, the top has been browned in some way and is different texturally from the whiter um, like body of the circle. Okay. Uh, I, I, I mean, that's that's making me even more excited. Um, okay, we gotta go. We gotta get moving here, though. Okay. Um, what are you getting to drink? Um, that is a great question. I am probably going to get the Big Easy Hurricane. The hurricane was created at Pat O'Brien's in New Orleans. The Big Easy. Okay. Uh. <laughs> In the 1940s, and is a staple in the Big Easy to this day, okay? But you're a national chain, so why does that matter? Okay, anyway, that's what I'm getting. That sounds amazing, Simon. I'm going with a cocktail that, much like my dessert, I know I'll hate. Um, (laughs) It's called a... It's... This is... (laughs) The text above it is creamy with a devilish kick. It's Ooh. the it's the chocolate Diablo Martini. Oh my god, <laughs> I am sick to my stomach already. It's a chocolate martini being invented by Rock Hudson and Elizabeth Taylor on the set of the movie Giant in 1955. Oh, very nice. Wow, that was a hell of a trip, and I, for one, cannot wait 
to get there one day, Simon. Yeah, me too. Uh, is there one in New York? Are we confident of that? Um, only place I have ever seen a Ruth's Chris um, was, is Atlantic City. Right. Yes. Check. I've seen it there as well. Maybe some airports I've seen it. Yeah. I would not surprise me. All right. Let's get to the mailbags because uh, we we got we to gotta wrap this up in the next 15 or so. Okay. Since we've got that other call. Oh, we can finish this in 15. We're fine. Thank you, though, for that suggestion. That was really fun. Um, <laughs> I. I think we might want to consider just perusing various menus on yes. all of our subsequent casts because that was honestly quite a lot of fun. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> all right. Back to the nets, buddy. Um, <laughs> mailbag. This is from Tom. Oh, great. I don't I've not seen this. Oh, uh, he sent it to the, the... Oh, the chat. Yeah, the chat. Okay. So, he, first one, compare Nets to characters on the wire. And the Ooh. second one is compare Nets to characters in Saved by the Bell. Ooh. So, let's do the wire first. Okay. Um, you haven't had a chance to think about this much, right? No, but so, I, I can I can come up with no, something. No, I know you're you're fast on your feet. If yeah, uh, <laughs> if Montessori school taught you nothing else, it's to be fast on your feet. Oh um, yeah. So my first one, Simon, those two fat alcoholic cops. <laughs> All right. So one of them gets disability because he gets punched or whatever in the in the yard. And the other one then sees the glory and, and splendors of being disabled and getting to retire. So <laughs> plots to force himself to fall down the stairs and blah, 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 blah. Um, so I think the obvious comparison of those two is uh, Kevin Durant. What? Oh, because, How come? Uh, because he, he's like... Continuing to remain disabled in spite oh, of the fact that... Oh, yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I thought you were going to say DeAndre because he's basically in, like, retirement. He's, like, not doing any work. But, No, yes. I, I'm, 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 I'm emphasizing the disabled, disabled right. part more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Um, okay. So I have, two, I have two for this. One is uh, Omar as Kevin Durant. Ooh, um, because nice. I just feel like not only is he feared, feared um, on the streets of West Baltimore, but he is kind of revered as well. Mm -hmm. Like there's a great deal of like kind of like grudging respect for him. Uh, and I feel like Kevin Durant is both feared like, oh, God, I don't want to upset him. You know, walking on eggshells. Great job, Kevin. Uh, I'm not Ethan Strauss. Please don't yell at me. Um and respected. Uh, and then my second one is actually a former Nets coach, Kenny Atkinson. And he, to me, is McNulty. Oh. Uh, because he he is, like, relentlessly, uh, you know, just wants to do policing his way, the way he feels is right. And no matter how many people tell him to, you know, cool it, quit doing that, you know, change your rotation, put uh, DeAndre Jordan in. Uh, somehow be nicer to Kyrie Irving, even though you're letting him come in and out of the game whenever he wants and shoot a million shots. Uh, he's, you know, he wants to coach the right way. He wants to coach the Spurs way. Right. Uh, both, both good analogies. I did two others as well. I'll do them quickly. D'Angelo Barksdale. 
Ooh, yeah. A sweet, sensitive guy forced into the role of a stone-cold gangster killer. <laughs> That's Jared yeah. Allen. Oh, nice. Who should probably nice. be geeking out at uh, at Dell computers like his old man, but uh, instead <laughs> finds himself on the inside of a hard, hard fighting league. Um, yeah, and he's smart, too. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's an smart. intellectual. Exactly. I wouldn't. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, anyway. yeah. Um, yeah right, and right. then you got old Presbaluski. So Presbaluski is super talented at figuring out puzzles. Yes. You know, he decodes these things. He loves doing word finds or whatever those things are. Yeah. Um, really, really, really good at that. Pretty horrible at everything else. Uh, and that I'm going <laughs> to compare to Kyrie Irving, who is really, really, really good at playing basketball, but seemingly quite bad at all the other parts of <laughs> being on a professional basketball team and in the in the limelight. Yeah. Uh, thank you for these questions, by the way, Tom. Yeah, these thank you, Tom. Very good. Now let's move on to Save by the Bell. Simon, uh, full disclosure, I was never a very big Saved by the Bell fan and uh-huh. have a spotty memory of the show and uh-huh. the characters on the show. So I have tried to, without looking it up, I have, <laughs> I have learning anything. <laughs> I have tried to list the five characters who I think I remember from the show. Okay. And I think you remember the show better than me. So these I'm are the five so I have. Yeah. So Zach is the handsome blonde guy, kind of the main guy. Zach exactly. Morris, sure. Exactly. S- Screech? Yep. Screech mm-hmm. is the nerd. Yes, correct. Uh, Slater? Yes, A.C. Slater. A.C. Slater, right, right, right. He is like a buff jockey guy. Correct, Amundo. Um, and then I remember two women. Yep. Were there three or two? Well, there were three. There's Lisa. Okay, hold go, on, go hold ahead. on, hold oh, sorry, on. I don't mean to take your... Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the, three, the two I think I remember, Kelly. Okay, yep. There's Zach's Kapowski. girl. She's the br- brunette, right? Yes, correct. Then I'm Kimmy? Jesse. Jesse. Jesse the blonde. And then uh, blonde I the lighter brown, I think. Okay. But you, um, you could be right. And who is the final one? Lisa, who is the object of affection for Screech, much to her uh, uh horror. Uh, you know, uh, annoyance. Okay, okay, great, great, great. Uh, well, I've got one for each of these. I'll start. Screech is Theo Pinson. He he shouldn't be there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. When I'm watching a teen show, I want him to be all hot and all cool. Okay. Get out Screech of there, is, Screech. Screech is definitely not that. <laughs> Zach is DeAndre Jordan. Whoa. Uh, yeah, uh, because people like him for no reason. <laughs> oh, ouch. <laughs> ouch for Zach. Slater to me is Nick Claxton because uh, both are skating by on their good looks. Mm, okay. Uh, okay. Kelly is Kyrie <laughs> um, because I remember literally nothing about her character. I put in parentheses, she's nice, question mark. She is nice, yeah, yes. Of course, right. Um, I don't remember anything about her character. Uh, just as one day I hope to have no memory of Kyrie. <laughs> <laughs> And then Kimmy, who is actually Jesse. Jesse, uh-huh. Uh, I said she went on to be in Showgirls. Correct. Um, so I'm going to say Jared Allen because I hope that he one day gets to go on to better things as well. 
a very arguable whether Showgirls was better than Saved by the Bell, an iconic show, as opposed to an entirely forgettable 90s movie. But yes, point point taken. Point taken. Uh, uh, yeah, what's what's your take on any of that? Like you could you could fill in the uh, sixth person I didn't mention. Lisa. Lisa, yes. Um, Lisa, I think is Karis Levert. I think Lisa is like a pretty much game to just would be like perfectly fine. Was like great in like last year's nets and is now kind of thrust in the situation where it's like, Oh God, like I, you know, I need to fit in with these other two people and I don't know, you know, what my future holds. And I'm in this like, you know, very annoying situation. And basically Lisa's primary role in that show, uh, it is just to be constantly like fending off screech. <laughs> Um, which, which many people in later revealed in sex tapes wishes they had been better at as well. Yes, absolutely. Screech, Screech the character was actually much better than Screech the actor. <laughs> and Screech the character was pretty annoying. Uh, I just looked up Lisa, Lisa Turtle, and I, yeah, yes, Turtle, I, right? I cannot believe I didn't for, I, I can't believe I forgot her. Um, yeah. Um, so, okay, so my, my characters would be, uh, first of all, I think Zach Morris is Kevin Durant. He is like the straw that stirs the drink at Bayside High. He is legendarily cool. Um, not big on books, not big on studying, to be fair. (laughs) That's more Jesse's style. Um, but, um, but he is, you know, he, 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 he's the, the social epicenter, um, to me, AC Slater is DeAndre Jordan. Um, I always AC was pretty much my least favorite character. Screech would at least do some funny stuff every now and again. Mm-hmm. AC Slater was just like kind of like a he was like the show knew he was like kind of like piggish, but for some reason he was dating Jesse, who was like sort of the social justice warrior. But he never said anything funny. He was kind of dumb. Like Zach, it was like was kind of like crafty. He, yeah. he was smart. He just wasn't like into school. Zach, um, AC's just kind of a dummy. Yeah, I felt like I. I think I remember AC Slater being sort of like the charmless Joey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. And, and yeah, not particularly nice. I mean, nice enough, I guess. Um, and that, that's pretty much. That's pretty much. I guess. Oh, Screech would have to be. Spencer Dinwiddie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, okay. I think we've just – I think this could be our longest one ever, Simon. <laughs> um, so, yes, we will definitely revisit some menus. If anyone out there is listening and has a menu yes. that they think Simon and I ought to take a look at, uh, send it along. We'd love to – we'd love to – Take a look. Absolutely. Um, I am starving now, but we have a call to get on to uh, in just a few minutes. Simon, where can people reach us? You've got to find us wherever uh, you get your podcasts on your your Apple podcasts, um, Stitchers, etc. And give us five-star reviews, please. And uh, drop us a line. Give us a question. Give us a menu um, at maybe next time at gmail.com. Um, and you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at maybe next time.
All right, uh, Simon, you're gonna do the takeout thing as well. Oh, okay. So send us off, buddy. All right, we will go ahead and see ya next time. <laughs> All right. I was tired of my lady. We'd been together too long. Like a worn-out recording of a favorite song. She lay there sleeping I read the paper in bed And in the personal columns There was this letter I read